This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I'm excited today, very excited, and uh, listen, there's some great things happening in the body of Christ. I don't even know where to begin right now, but... This is not the time, as we were just saying, uh, to be part-time, casual, I'll serve God when I feel like a Christian. There is a great awakening taking place in the United States of America, but it's got to start with you. It's got to start with you. And so I'm going to talk for a little bit this morning about a topic that we would call revival, okay? And I don't like to always use that word, even though it is the right word, because I, if you've grown up in church, uh, people throw that word around all the time, you know, especially I grew up, you know, in the Midwest, all these little country churches. Well, we're having our summertime revival, two weeks, Brother J.D. Johnson's going to come down, and yeah, you know, that's cute and that's nice, but they didn't have revival, just a bunch of Christians got together and sang gospel songs for a couple and that's cute and that's fine and the Lord loves it but I'm talking about a revival I think a better word for us to use is awakening because the body of Christ the Christian church especially in the United States has been asleep for about 12 years and 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 that's just the God honest truth and uh, and because of that lots of bad bad things have happened <laughs> to our Christians to our country to our world and Christians have been asleep man just sleeping through the whole thing not I mean not knowing what in the world's going on but the Lord right now is trying to wake up the Christian church of the United States of America and we all know what it doesn't just stay here when America has a healthy church it reaches the whole world no other nation in the world has done more because of Christians to feed homeless people in other countries, to build orphanages, to spread the gospel. No other country has ever sent people out to change the world like the United States of America has. That's just, you can't argue with that. That's total fact. The Christian church, it's time for us to wake up, get our heads out of the sand, show up for work, and be real about this. There's an awakening taking place. And so, give me about two minutes here to give you a quick historical background, and then we'll get into a message. Does anybody here like history other than me? Okay, I love history, but I know sometimes I, I could talk about history for a very long time, and then you guys would probably fall asleep. We don't need that. It's an awakening time, okay? So, do not fall asleep on me today. But, now, there's been a couple of great, what we call revivals in the history of the United States. There's been several, but the first one happened in the 1730s and 40s, which is called the First Great Awakening. Has anybody ever heard of the First Great Awakening? Okay, a very few of you. Okay. Now, the, the, the truth of the matter is this, is that by that time, you know, we hadn't even, it was before 1776. Okay, the church had already started to go, as we would call carnal. It was more of a social club, more of a, well, I belong to the Presbyterian Church of, of you know, of Mount Gilead and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it was just, it was a status symbol. People were going to church and taking communion that weren't even born again. And so this, uh, this German preacher comes over and he sees the state of, of the church. He's like, what? This is, uh, this is, I've been hearing about these, the, the Christians of, of the, of America and, and this is what this is all about? These people, they go to church and sing a few songs, then they go back out and they act crazy like the rest of the world. And so a, a fire started to get lit and a, a young preacher named Jonathan Edwards, I think it was July 8, 1741, preached this sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I mean, the anointing of God was all over this sermon. And boom, people everywhere started giving their lives to Jesus. He would preach so powerfully and so, so anointed that people were crying in their seats. Oh, I've got to get, I've got to get right with God. I've gone to church my whole life, but I am not right with God. And a revival took place that, that spread all over at the time what were the colonies of the United States. And, you know, of course, it didn't go that far west up until then. But then 50, 60, 70 years later in the 1800s, another great revival took place that I love even more called the Second Great Awakening. And again, you know, this happens with Christians. They, they get on fire for a little while, then they start to calm down and they start to burn. Well, we've done that enough, you know, been in church enough and, you know, maybe take a little break now. And, and the Christian church has started to calm down, 
But then another revival started called the Second Great Awakening, and it lit up the United States. It spread to Europe and everything else. The Second Great Awakening. And one of the best preachers of all time was a man named Charles Finney that used to preach uh, during this revival. This man led over 500,000 people to the Lord. In the 1800s, I'm not, he didn't have a TV show. He didn't have social media. He couldn't tweet out Bible verses to anybody. But he, these people were so passionate and so tired of lukewarm, half-baked, part-time Christians that they, they got some fire in their bones. They got some passion and they got some fire and the church woke up. The church woke up and amazing things happened. Well, guess what? More, a few other great revivals have taken place. I'm not going into those today, but the Azusa Street Revival came out of Los Angeles in the 1906 and started the, you know, the Pentecostal movement. And that, and, and since 1906, Pentecostal churches have over 500 million new uh, members, by far the fastest growing branch of Christianity in the world, by far, not even close. But that's because when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get boldness. And it's, anyway, we'll get into that later. But I just want to encourage you today, things are changing around here. I'm not talking about a new roof. That's awesome. You know, love the smell of the tar. But I'm talking about things are changing. This is not church as normal. This is not, well, let's just go in there and hear a good word when we feel like it. And you'll go on up. Listen to me. Get in. Get out or get run over. It is time to get serious about the things of God. The, the, the world around us is going crazy, going, going all over the place. And right now is the perfect time when God comes in and does a revival. Right now is the time when God comes in and wakes His people up. And you can be a part of it. You can totally be a part of this if you want to. God's not going to make you, but I, there's, you couldn't pay me a billion dollars to miss out on the things of God. You, you couldn't pay, there's no amount of money you could give me that could possibly make me want to miss out on what God's getting ready to do in this church and in the United States of America and this city and my life. I'm telling you, this is the time to wake up. There's a great awakening taking place and some of you are, some of you are getting it already. Some of you are, are getting it. I've seen our Sunday nights, man, our Sunday night service used to, be about four or five rows. We've been having about nine rows of people coming in here. And those coming, are you regretting it? Are you regretting that we had a healing service and a ton of people got healed two weeks ago? Or last week, five, six people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. A brand new man just got out of prison last week, came up here and testified of what the Lord's... I mean, are you regretting this? If you are, I don't... Something's wrong with you, but I'm serious. This is the hour and we were born for such a time as this. This is an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be a Christian if you'll step up and, and let God use you. I'm going to step up and let Him use me. Amen? And so, if we're going to see an awakening in us, in this church, in the United States, it's going to take several things, but I, I've, God spoke to me about four things today that we're going to talk about. And the first thing is this. If we're going to see an awakening, the first thing that's going to have to take place is hunger. And if there's anybody that did not get an outline this morning, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. But if we're going to see an awakening take place, number one, there's going to have to be some hunger from the Christians. Do we have any, are there any hungry people in the house this morning? Yeah. You need to be craving the things of God like a pregnant woman craves pickles and ice cream. You know what I mean? They, they get some, I, man, we've been through this four times. One kid, she wanted a cherry pie and bean burritos. I didn't get that one. Then fish sandwiches and soft pretzel. I mean, just weird stuff. But listen to me. When a pregnant woman wants something, she wants it, and she's gonna get it, isn't she? Well, when a Christian is hungry for the things of God, they don't care what's going on. It's get out of my way. I'm getting to church. I'm getting there, and you have got to be that hungry, that passionate. You've got to crave the Word of God, the things of God, just like that. And too many Christians, they are not like this. They're not craving the things of God. And, and, and listen, when you're hungry, you will stop at nothing to get to food. Now, the, you know, where we live, most of us do not experience true hunger that often. Food is so available to us that, that we, most of us probably don't even genuinely know what it truly means 
to be hungry. But I can tell you this. Go to one of those other countries where people don't have food like we have. I mean, they'll chase the food down. They'll stab it. They'll do whatever they can to get food because they're desperate. And they know, I have got to have this. This is essential to my survival. Now, you've got to get that way about the things of God. You've got to get that way about the Lord that this is essential to my survival. I've got to have this. Wouldn't it be sad if I had to text you every night before bed? You know, okay, Tom, Patty, make sure you all eat something tomorrow, okay? Feed yourselves, get some water, okay? Take a nap. Take, You know, Susan, I just want to remind you to eat tomorrow in case you forget. Desiree, eat something tomorrow, okay? I know, don't forget about it. You know, wouldn't that be stupid? Why do I not have to remind you to feed yourself? Because you want to feed yourself. You want to eat. There is a hunger and there is a desire there. And it is essential. If you don't eat, you will perish. You will not survive. You will die. But the sad thing is, is there's a lot of Christians. We've got a text. Hey, remember to feed your, read your Bible this week. Go to church on Sunday. And if you don't, they just won't do it. And they're dying. And I'm seeing Christians all over the place with terrible health problems and everything else. And I'm like, man, what's going on? They're not taking care of themselves. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You come and eat of me, you're not going to be starved. You're not going to be hungry ever again if you'll continually eat of the bread of life. Why are we not doing this? Oh, we we eat the bread of this. I mean, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I know some people are probably going to put down 50 hot wings by themselves tonight, okay? Listen to me. Then They don't care. But check it out. I'm so serious about this that we have got to get as hungry and as desperate for the bread of life as we are for the, the, the bread of this world, for the things of this world. If we don't get there, there's not going to be an awakening in your life. I don't know about you, but I've been awoken. I've been awakened. And so Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, and the bread of life is key. It's essential to your survival. And I'm telling you that God is calling you. I don't even need a word from God. I'm not a prophet. I'm telling you this. God is calling you to a higher level in 2017. Okay. God is calling you to a higher level. You don't have to be a genius to get this. God's calling you to a higher level. Are you going to step up? Are you going to accept this? Are you going to move on to higher things of God? And, you know, you can choose to ignore them and do what you've always done and just continue to get the same old results. I mean, hey, how many how many people did you win to the Lord last year by doing what you what you do? How many people got saved through your life last year? That's not judgmental. That's not me. I'm just let's question ourselves. How many people did you go out and lead to the Lord last year and now they're going to heaven instead of hell? How many people, how many sick people did you pray for last year that that got healed or that you at least made an effort to pray for Think about this. If the answer is zero, then that's not enough. There needs to be more. God God can use you. And you may say, well, I'm not a preacher. That's fine. You don't have to be a preacher to go pray for somebody. You don't have to go through Bible college to pray for a sick person. you kidding me? No. Jesus said the believers, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, Peter, James, and John... Philip, they hadn't been through, you know, the the Bible College of Nazareth, you know, to the Jerusalem Theological Seminary of Higher Divinity and things. And no, they, he just said, you go out and preach the gospel to every creature. So listen to me. You are called. God is is presenting this to you. He's saying, listen, if you'll step up, I I need you. I'm going to use you if you'll listen to me and you won't regret it for one minute. You are not going to regret it for one minute if you'll step up. But let me show you this first. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Matthew 5, verse 6. Amen. We, we've got some hungry people, and I believe the rest of you are getting hungry in the name of Jesus. And, and you, this is your year that you are going to make Jesus Christ the absolute number one thing in your life. When he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, we're going to do that this year. We're not going to seek ye third, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek ye fifth. Seek ye when you feel like it, the kingdom of God. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen? So Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. I love this. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Blessed are those who hunger, who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And this word blessed, you know, it means empowered to prosper, empowered to prosper. Jesus literally said that you are going to be empowered when you are hungry for righteousness. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed you're going to be if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be filled. Blessed, you're going to you're going to be empowered. You're going to prosper if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so, listen to me. A hungry person will look extreme to those around them who do not have the same hunger. If you're really hungry and you're around a bunch of people that they're just, they're not really that hungry. They don't really care. You know what I mean? You go to Golden Corral with a bunch of vegetarians. Okay. Put it, put it this way. Okay. They're not going to enjoy the moment like you do. They're not going to go up to the man cutting the roast beef and the prime rib like I'm going to do. They're going to, oh, that's, that's good for you, but I don't know about me. I'm going to like, man, get out of my way. Hook me up. You know? Listen, I want to be like, a, you know, I want to be every day hungering and thirsting for righteousness. But you've got to know that when you're really hungry, you become really desperate for the things of God. And it offends people around you that do not have the same level of hunger that you have. They'll wonder, why does he shout amen? Why does he shout hallelujah? Could he just be quiet? This church is too loud. Well, it's because it's full of a bunch of hungry people, man. They're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. They're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And so, when you're hungry, you will do crazy things that other people, they just don't understand. They don't get it. They're like, I, 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 that's cool for you. I just don't get it, man. I, that's, that's not for me. You're just a little bit, a little bit too wild, a little bit too fanatical. I, I just, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it, bro. I don't get it. And listen, when you're truly hungry, you don't care what you look like. When you're truly hungry, you don't care what you look like. If you if you were starving and you hadn't eaten 14 days and somebody you know took you into the buffet, I wouldn't be sorry, guys. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> take a little bite. Man, I'd be like, put it in here, dude. Get back. Lay off me. I'm starving. And, you know, I'd be. I would. I don't care what I. I wouldn't care. And so then there's some people that come into church. Well, you know, I, I'd like to get excited like them, but I'm just gonna look a little bit weird. And that's fine. Praise God for where you're at. But don't you judge the people that do this. Don't judge the guy that's running around. I mean, we won't judge you for being quiet, but don't judge us for being loud. This is a two-way street. And if there's somebody that's been set free and they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, they're probably going to be loud in the presence of God. They're probably going to offend you if you're not hungry for God. They're probably going to rub you the wrong way. And I am totally okay with this. Because Jesus offended people everywhere he went. Jesus offended people. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Okay, this blind guy's by the side of the road, and Jesus is walking by one day, and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy! Jesus! And he starts making a scene, yelling and waving his hands. The man's never seen anything in his life, and here comes the one person that could totally change his life forever. And people are like, Bart, man, would you shut up? Sit down. You're making a, making a fool of yourself. Shut up, Bart! And it says he only began to shout louder. But guess what? He got the attention of Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, you get over here. And Jesus says, all right, man, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus touched him and the man could instantly see. Do you think, uh, listen, all everybody, do you think that anybody else in this room could possibly change your life and, and answer your prayers and do anything? Absolutely not. So why in the heck would I care what they think about me? Could anybody else in this world, could, could the godless, evil sinners that we're surrounded by, could they answer your prayers? No, that I have no problem whatsoever saying, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Jesus loves you, God bless you, because He is the one who has saved my life. He's the one that healed me of cancer. Not any atheistic, godless sinner, no. Jesus did it. And so I will be as loud for Jesus as I want to be. I will pray wherever I want to pray. I will read my Bible wherever I want to read it. And nobody can stop me. Amen. So, amen. So when you're hungry, 
You don't care what you look like. You're just going to go after what it is that can fill you. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And that's I'm going after the bread of life. So if we're going to see an awakening, number one, we're going to have to see some hunger from the Christians. No more of this part time half baked. You know, Dr. Barclay said, we're going to throw you back in the oven and cook you all the way until you get it. Okay. No more of this. No more playing church. Quit playing games with God. Get real. We need real Christians. We got to have them. We have got to have real Christians. Number two, prayer. It's any awakening, any revival. It takes prayer. And I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. I mean, people pray that to their kids. Isn't that terrifying? Why would, why would you say that to your, right before your kid goes to bed? If I should die before I wake. Good God, man. Talk about nightmares. That's horrific. Apparently do that. Anyway, but I'm talking about we need intercessory prayer warriors to stand in the gap for the people of this world. That's what an intercessor is. They they go between one and the other and, and they make something happen. And that's intercessory prayer. And we need this. Because most of the people that I know that aren't in church already, they don't know how to pray to God. They, they have no idea. that They need somebody going to God on their behalf because they're not doing it. They're not doing it at all. They need somebody to do this. But it's going to take some prayer. So, I'd like to think of it this way. I could probably take a poll of 10,000 Christians and and I could ask, okay, do you think, would you say the Bible is very important? I'd probably nearly get 100% yes. I could also poll 10,000 Christians. Would you say that prayer is essential to the Christian life? I mean, I'm I'm going to get nearly 100%. Yeah. In fact, who in here thinks that prayer you would say is an essential part of being a Christian? It's all right. It's about 90. I'd say 80% of you think it's important to be. That's good. All right. And so, but the thing of it is, is if we all agree it's so important, why do we not take it seriously, and why do we not do it until we're in a crisis? Or until all hell's broken loose, and then we're like, oh dear God, get me out of this one. I, I pray, Lord, if you get me out of this, just bail me out of this one more time. I will serve you every day. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know? Listen, I don't want to make it fun. I've done that. I've been, stu- I, you know, I've done that. Like, you know, God doesn't hear for me until it's rub a dub dub, thanks for the grub, or until it's my, you know, in my next crisis. And, then I, but, and, and I'm ashamed of that, but that, for years, that was my prayer life, and yes, I did that. And that's pathetic, and it's sad, but I did that. We all think that prayer is important, but why don't we take it more seriously? You know, I think of it this way. Back in 2009, uh, we had about one week notice. We ha- we got called that a, this big Christian rock tour was coming through. They needed a facility. They would do it here for free if they could just use this facility. So we had like one week time, four major Christian bands, and within one week's time, just barely any advertising. We had over 2,000 people in this building from the stage all the way to the back doors going out the back. It was, it was great. It was cool, you know, and all that. But like just a few days notice to talk about it. I wonder if I had six months to advertise an amazing prayer meeting. Guys, listen. Oh, on June 5th, we're going to have an amazing Holy Spirit filled God time of prayer at High Desert Word Center. Everybody's invited. The cost is free. Get in an all night prayer meeting at High Desert Word Center. Woo! I would be shocked. I would, I would be just absolutely, I would probably pass out if I got a hundred people to come to a prayer meeting. If I could get 100 people to come to a prayer meeting that I advertised for six months, built up, mailed postcards, you know, I would be totally floored and shocked. But within one week's time of barely saying anything, I could get 2,000 Christians from all over the high desert to come here to hear some music. Christian music's great. Love it. It's awesome. Amazing. But why is prayer not taken that seriously? That's a big reason why the church in America has been asleep for years now. Why churches are, you know, embarrassed about being spirit filled. Why you don't see a bunch of the healings and miracles that we used to. Man, no one's praying. I don't know what they're doing. I guess they're playing on their phones and stuff, but I don't know. 
But people just flat out, they quit getting into this stuff and they quit praying like we used to pray and we're seeing the results of it. And so let me show you something here. Um, first of all, I'll say this. Until the church takes prayer seriously, we won't see revival. That That's a huge, huge statement that we just made. Until the church takes prayer seriously, we won't see revival. Let's turn to James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5, verse 16. Today is your day to be awakened. Today is your day to, if you're half-baked, to get back in the oven, finish cooking all the way, so God can use you. Today is your day if you'll listen to the voice of God. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Look at this last part. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The New Living says it has great power and produces wonderful results. Would you like it if your prayers had great power and produced wonderful results? Isn't it just the best when you pray for something and it really and it happens? There's nothing better than answered prayer. I love this stuff, man. When I pray and it actually happens, that's the best thing in the world. And it says the effective, fervent prayer of righteous man or righteous woman, it avails much. Notice that there's a, a link between the last two verses we've read. I don't know if anybody caught this. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. James 5, 16 says, The effective prayer of a righteous man. Righteous. Righteous means somebody that's in right standing with God. If you're born again, you're righteous. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a righteous person. You can't get any more righteous than that. You know what I mean? Billy Graham... Kenneth Hagin, they're not any more righteous than you are. Now, they're probably a lot more holy than a lot of us. Holiness is up to you. Okay, You know, holiness, that's when you take a a stance in your life and say, okay, I'm going to do without these things and I'm going to do this. That's being holy. But being righteous, that means you've been washed of your sins and you are in right standing with God. A revival is when lots and lots of people get into right standing with God. Either people that have not been in right standing, that like never received Jesus, or a bunch of half-bakes that, you know, kind of walked off or did whatever. They, again, get back in the oven and they get things right with God. That's revival. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then he said, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so, are you a righteous person? Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Is that what you want in your life? This is all for you then. Everything we're talking about, you are qualified to be used by God. And let me ask you this, okay? Don't be ashamed to answer this question, yes or no. Have you ever been used by God in a situation? Okay. There is nothing greater in this world than to be used by God. There's nothing greater in this world. I've had, I've experienced some cool things in my life, some some neat stuff, but nothing compares to praying for somebody and them either getting healed or maybe them giving their lives to Jesus. You know, I always think of this story. It was like the year 2000. I went on this missions trip to St. Petersburg, Russia. Okay? Whoa. <laughs> Godless, atheistic society. Anybody that thinks we need less God in America, you've never been someplace that has totally kicked God out. It is depressing. You can feel it in the air. It is awful to be in an environment where there's been no God. It's it's absolutely the heaviest feeling in the world. But being in Russia for, for a while, I was there for a little while, uh, I mean just every day the looks on people's faces. We'd go down the subway, down this way, 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 way down to the subway, and just all these people riding the escalator down, just nothing, man, just godless, atheist, just awful, total depression everywhere. But I remember we were out witnessing on the streets one day, and, and you haven't lived until you've been chased around the streets of Russia, you know, 
witnessing to people. Man, we had soldiers come up with guns and everything. It was just crazy stuff. Just very, very, you know, godless society. But there's this kid skateboarding, you know, uh, we were on this place called the Winter Palace, a very famous palace there in St. Petersburg. And I felt drawn to this kid. I mean, and it's nasty, it's cold, it's raining. I'm a 15-year-old kid from a little tiny farm town in Indiana on the other side of the world in Russia. My trip has not gone well. It has gone terrible up until this point. But I'm like, let's just go talk to this kid. He doesn't know me. I don't know him. We've probably got nothing in common. But I go and I get an interpreter and I start telling this kid about Jesus. We've all, I mean, you live over here. Pretty much everybody at some point has heard of Jesus. This is news to him. Really? You being serious right now? Serious? And so this kid right there, rain, cold, nastiness, gives his life to Jesus Christ. Right there, you know, in the middle of atheist Russia. And and as I'm praying, I'm like, man, everything that I've been through to get to this point was worth it to see somebody born again. If you've never got to lead somebody to the Lord yet, you're you're missing out. And listen to me. This can be your year to have this happen. It, it absolutely can. But every sacrifice, everything that I had done to get to that point, to get somebody out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, is totally worth it. You never regret sacrificing for Jesus. You never regret laying things down to get to Jesus. And so, I mentioned this name earlier, this guy named Charles Finney in the Second Great Awakening. 500,000 people! He led to the Lord. That's a half of a million people. But there was a secret to his success. Every, he had been, a, he'd actually, before he totally gave his life to the Lord, he was a lawyer. He was practicing law in New York. And he just, he started getting this sensation like, man, I don't think that I'm really a born again Christian. I don't think that I'm really going to, I, I've, I've belonged to the church. I've been a church member my whole life, but something's missing. I'm not right. And if you're not right with God, you know it. You could be sitting in this church today and be a member and take communion and everything else. But if you are not right with God, your life stinks. It's miserable and you know it. Maybe nobody else knows, but you know. And that's the most awful, empty feeling in the world. And so this man, he was respected. He had money and everything else. But he knew I'm not right with God. And so he he walked away from his law firm, walked out on the client, and never ever returned to being a lawyer again. He went out, prayed to God, gave his life to Jesus Christ, and became one of the most on-fire, passionate Christians the world's ever seen. But before he would go into a town to do a revival, he had this, this man named Daniel Nash. And he would send Daniel a few weeks in advance to go into a town and just pray. The guy would do nothing but pray for salvations, for the presence of God to be all over that town. One time, he sent him into Rochester, New York, a decent-sized city, a couple weeks in advance. By the time the meeting started, well, I guess after a few of the meetings, every saloon and brothel in the entire city shut down because nobody would go back. The entire town gave their lives to Jesus. But but Daniel Nash, he would he he just prayed. Nobody even knows who he is. He just prayed for days and days and days. He would go without food. He would go without things he wanted because he was that desperate to see people get out of depression, to get out of the kingdom of darkness. Man, I can tell you this right now. There's not a single person in this world that I would like to go to hell. There's nobody that I would wish hell upon. Not one person. I don't care how bad they've been to me, how mean they've been. I don't wish hell upon anybody. And until you get that in your heart, you're not going to see the importance of this stuff. You're, well, I'm fine. My family's cool. I mean, hey, I've got a great, I'm making money. My kids are happy. I, what's all the, I, none of this matters to me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. If that's your attitude, you need to get right with God right now. If you don't care about other people going to hell, if that doesn't burn on the inside of you, something's not right. I'm not, again, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not judging you. <laughs> Kind of am, but, you know, uh, you know, only God can judge me. That should terrify you if God, anyway. So, but, but seriously, if, if you, if people going to hell does not bother you, if there are people that you're related to that you know if, if they died right now,
they would not go to heaven, and that doesn't just eat you alive on the inside, something is terribly wrong. If people that you work with, people that are your friends, people that you know that are within your realm of influence, you know that if they die today, they would go to hell. Because guess what, people? Hell is forever. People that died and went to hell when Abraham Lincoln was the president are still in hell in 2017. Somebody that died 2,000 years ago and went to hell, they didn't get a chance to get out. They're there, and they're going to be there 2,000 years from now, and 5,000 years from now, and 10,000. They're not getting out. And so if there's somebody in your life that you just you don't think that they'd be going to heaven, and that doesn't eat you alive on the inside, maybe you're not quite where you need to be with God right now, to be honest with you. Maybe it's time that you do have an awakening. Maybe it's time that you do say, I, you know what? This is my year. I'm going to lead somebody to Jesus this year. I'm going to pray for some sick people this year. I'm going to actually not be ashamed to pray over my food in public. Listen, I grew up with this guy. You know how loud he prays at restaurants? We did not. Okay, kids, everybody say grace. No, it wasn't like that. It was Father in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this food. Lord, that you provided it. Lord, I thank you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died and rose again, that He's coming back to receive the church into heaven. And Lord, I thank you that we're going to heaven. I don't know about everybody else in here, but, you know, <laughs> He would do that sometimes. And, you know, I didn't quite appreciate it when I was 15, but I do now. And I'm telling you, why should you be ashamed that you're going to heaven? Why should you be embarrassed that you used to live in the filth of the world, that you used to be drunk and passed out and sleeping around and that you're not anymore? And that Jesus pulled you out and now you have the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, you're not sick anymore, that you're going to heaven when you die? Why would you be ashamed of that? I'm not ashamed of that. That's not embarrassing at all. And if that bothers people, I'm sorry that it bothers you. Sorry, not sorry. But, you know, I, I'm listen... This is the time for us to start taking this thing seriously. And so it's going to take hunger. It's going to take prayer. And I'll just, we'll put these verses on the screen, but Luke 5.16, Luke 5.16, I'm going to keep moving here. Luke 5.16, go ahead. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. That doesn't seem like that deep of a verse. Like, okay, so what? Jesus all the time would go out to the wilderness to pray. Often he would just go out, go out to the woods and spend some time with God praying. I think that's a fabulous example for us to do. And, you know, uh, to, to often withdraw for a little prayer time. You don't need to like, you know, take several days off to go to the woods. But I'm just saying, wouldn't it be great if we could say and Monica often withdrew for prayer and Paul often he would go out and he would just go pray. You know, Michelle and, and Norma, they often they would just go withdraw for prayer. That's not embarrassing. You realize how that would change your life? And then this next verse, just the next chapter over, 6.12, it says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. The man went all night long without sleeping, but prayed from dark to light. Totally prayed all night long. And you're like, well, he's Jesus. Are you? Oh my gosh. Jesus was a human being. Do you get that? He had to sleep. If you poked him, it hurt. If you tickled him, he laughed. He was real, okay? Well, he's Jesus, so he just had, you know, abilities to, to pray all night that we don't have. No, listen, you could do it too. I mean, I've never stayed up all through the night praying, but I do know that I could do a lot more of staying up at night and praying. I could withdraw often to go pray. Absolutely. And I've got to say this, Jesus prayed a lot and it's pretty hard to argue with his results. Can anybody say that that prayer time hurt Jesus? Well, you know, I just think that maybe if he'd used that time somewhere else, he could have got a lot more done. You know, I, I, I don't. If he, maybe he just should have, you know, gone and fed the poor instead of prayed. No, shut up. Listen, Jesus didn't make any mistakes. Jesus withdrew often for prayer. We need to do that. And you're not going to see an awakening in your life or anybody else's life until you take prayer seriously. The third thing is this: is boldness. If we're going to see a move of God, an awakening of God. It is time for Christians to get bold. Quit being ashamed. Quit being quiet. Quit being embarrassed of that you're going to heaven, like we've said. 
It's time for Christians to get bold. What is, turn to the book of Acts chapter 4, but I'm gonna, I'll say this first before we get there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus told the, the, the disciples, He said, listen, when I leave, the Holy Spirit's gonna come, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna receive power from on high. He said, you're gonna be, have power to be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and to the other, uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 1.8. And so, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you receive a boldness and a power to go witness that I'm sorry, just other other people, everybody, you know, they, they can have a certain level of boldness, but when you let the Holy Spirit fill your life, you have got a monumental advantage for witnessing, for seeing the power of God, that it's not even funny. So, if you were to read Acts chapter... Who has been reading along with our... Yes, there we go. We're studying the book of Acts for the month of February. Every day we're reading a different chapter of Acts. And so today's the fifth. So on the third, two days ago, we read about how Peter and John, they were going to the temple one day to pray because, hey, they thought prayer was important. So they went to church and prayed. What's up with that? And so they're on their way to pray. And there's this this uh, this crippled guy that used to beg every day outside of the church. He'd say, alms, alms. Alms, you know, money, give me. And so Peter and John, they stop and look at him and say, hey, all right, whoa, hey, listen, look at us. It's like, I, silver and gold have I none. He said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'm going to give you what I do have today, man. Listen, listen up, guy. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the guy, it says, he jumps to his feet. He takes off running. And when you see something like this happen, you instantly, you get on Twitter and Instagram and you tell everybody about it. And so this was trending in the Jerusalem area for, you know, and everybody knew that this, it went viral instantly. And so everybody knew, like, man, this crippled guy got healed. And now and it says he was walking and leaping and praising God. And so everybody started hearing about it. And of course, when something like this happens, you want to go see about it, talk about it. Go talk to the people that, you know, did this prayer. And so Peter and John, they get in trouble. The feds move in, the government. And they're like, hey, you can't be doing this. This is nonsense. People are going crazy. And so they get arrested. They get arrested because this guy gets healed. And so they, they, they tell them, okay, listen, we, we, we can let you go. But here's the deal. Never again preach in the name of Jesus. We don't want to hear this. No, you can go. You guys can have your little meetings, but stop coming out here in public and throwing this name Jesus around. Don't do it anymore. Or we're going to come at you harder next time. And so do you think that intimidated Peter? Do you think he said, oh, man, Jesus, can't talk about Jesus anymore. Do you think he was like that? No, man, because he had boldness. And usually when you poke somebody with boldness around a little bit, they get louder. They don't. They they get even more fiery and feisty, and 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 they they want to just go preach even louder and more. And so, Acts chapter four, uh, starting at verse seventeen. So they they got these guys in custody. So they 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 brought they brought in the verse seven Acts four verse seven. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? You guys want to know? Let me clearly state to all of you, read my lips, is what he's saying. Read my lips, gentlemen. And all the people of Israel that He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. They're probably all like, jeez, calm down, bro. What? You mad, bro? Like, what's going on here? Why? We, we didn't ask for all that. We just asked why, whose name he preached in. And he goes into all this 
go, Jesus, you killed him, but God, thank God he raised him back up from the dead. And he's just, I mean, tearing into these guys. But look what happens. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were shocked. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And so, I mean, a lot of, a lot of us, you know, we're like, well, I don't have a theology degree. I, I've never been to Bible college, but you could go out and light into somebody in the name of Jesus in a good, loving, holy way. And, and, you know, they're like, man, how does that guy know so much about the Lord? It's going to shock people around you because like, you're, you're an ordinary guy. You know, you just, you work on the job with them and you're, it's going to shock them when they see boldness come out of you. But look at the rest of this verse. They also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, people can tell. So let me ask you this question today. Can people tell that you've been with Jesus? And I mean, maybe some of us haven't really been with Jesus that much lately. And so, yeah, you know, nobody can tell. But it says right here that they could recognize that these were guys who had been with Jesus. The world needs to be able to look at you and say, oh man, there's something different about him. And you can be able to say, I'll tell you what's different. I've been with Jesus. I've been with Jesus. Jesus, you've been with Jesus. Absolutely, man. I have been with Jesus. I walk with him. I talk. He talks to me. You want to freak somebody out? Tell them that God told you something. Yeah. Somebody that doesn't, you know, some, either a, a half-baked Christian or somebody that, you know, just doesn't know God at all. You say, God talked to me. That'll freak them. That will scare them out of their wits. Serious? Yeah, man. Oh, he talked to me and it was real. And, and, and I'm, I'm, you, you gotta get to this place where people can look at you and say, this is a guy that's been with Jesus. And when you've been with Jesus, what do you think one of the signs of that is? Boldness. When you've been with Jesus, you get really bold. You get super bold. You're not afraid anymore. You get bold and you'll speak up for his name. I'm talking this morning about an awakening. I'm talking about Christians all over the place waking up and getting bold and taking it outside of these walls, the name of Jesus and seeing people get saved, get healed, get baptized, get peace in their lives. And I'm not going to be the only one to go out and do it. And it's not my dad. It's not the preacher's job to go out to the streets and take revival. This is all of our jobs. Everybody in this room is called to wake up and take an awakening out there and bring people in. We cannot be solely responsible for doing this. So many, you know, and so many times, well, you know, maybe I'll get my preacher to pray for you. Well, what if I'm not available? What if dad's not available? What if you've got to right there lay hands on somebody? You've got to know how to do this and you've got to be bold enough to get the job done. He's calling you. He's calling you. And so you're going to make wicked people, lukewarm Christians angry when you get bold to speak for Jesus. You're going to make some people really, really angry. And listen, I look around the country right now and I've seen a lot of righteousness starting to stand up and I see people with their heads about to explode. What? Are you serious? Yeah, I see people like, man, they're like, their mind is blown. That it is, it's crazy to see people just going nuts right now because there's starting to be a restoration of righteousness, whether you know it or whether you like it or not. And so you, you've got to know this, that it's going to tick some people off. When you don't go out, you know, drinking anymore, you don't go out with your potty mouth being nasty and dirty. And instead of, you know, telling them to go do nasty things, you say, praise the name of Jesus. The Lord loves you. And I pray for the peace of God upon your life. Amen. You know, that's gonna, like, who are you to judge me? Only God can judge me. Man, shut that up. Listen to me. Jesus loves you. It's going to take boldness on part of the Christians. You can throw this verse up there too. One of my favorites, Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. There's that word again. Do you think a lion 
goes through the jungle and oh man, gee, I just don't want anybody to see me. I just don't want any other animals to pick on me right now. I, just, I better not roar. I don't want anybody to hear me. I, I, no, lions are bold, and it says the righteous are as bold as lions. It's time for us to get a hold of this. We've got to get a boldness about us. We have got to wake up. This, the, the country, the people around us, the sinners in your life, they need an awake, on fire, bold Christian that's not afraid to tell the truth whether they like the truth or not. Because when you tell the truth, the truth is not popular. I can promise you this. Going out and telling people the truth is not going to make you, you know, the most popular person in America, in your neighborhood, in the world. And it'll probably make a lot of people really, really angry at you. But that doesn't change the fact that it's true. The truth will set you free. And I'm telling some truth to some of you in here today. And maybe some of you is rubbing you the wrong way and you're feeling, you know, judged and all this stuff. Well, seriously, the truth will set you free. But I've also learned that it'll probably tick you off first. The truth will set you free, but it'll probably tick you off first. And that's happened in my life so many times where somebody's told me the truth and I didn't want to hear it. Man, who are you to tell me? Where do you get off telling me? Who do you think you are? Who died and made you go? You know, then after a while, when I shut up and listen, I'm like, you know what? He was right. I've been wrong in this. I've I've been missing it. I've been wrong. And when I've listened to the truth, I've never regretted it in my life. It has always set me free. and It has always pulled me up to a higher level in the things of God. And so if you're in here today and you're feeling some tugging and you're feeling, man, uh, I don't know. I, I He may be right. Maybe I am a little half-baked that needs to hop back in the oven. Maybe I, you know, maybe I am a part-timer and it's time for me to sign up full-time. What, maybe if God's talking to you, you shouldn't be mad at me. You should, you should listen to God and see what'll happen if you will once and for all throw yourself into the ring and say, I'm not getting out. This is my decision. No turning back. No turning back. This is real this time. I'm done playing games with God. This is your time. So it scares the devil when Christians get bold. It scares them because when Christians get bold, it means he's losing people from his kingdom. When, when Christians get bold and when they start bringing other people into the kingdom of God, the devil is losing his grip on people. The devil wants to keep your family in the grip of his hand. He wants that. He wants to, to, to keep you and thumb you down for the rest. Of, when you make a decision to get out of that, and finally get free, that's going to tick him off. That's probably going to tick the evil people in your life off. But you've got to get this in your heart. The righteous are as bold as lions. I'm not looking back. This is real this time. You know, the first Sunday this year, my dad preached a really, really good sermon about <laughs> it's, this is your year to start doing more for God. Well, now he's recruiting for the nursery. <laughs> I just, you know, no, I'm telling you, this is your year to start doing more. I challenge you to whatever it is you've been doing, double it up. If you pray for five minutes a day, pray for ten. If you come to one service a week, I don't, I don't want to, you know, blow your mind here, or knock you out of your seat. I could challenge you to come to two services. And I, seriously, do you think coming to church more would hurt your life? You think that's going to hurt you? No! That's going to help you! You think reading your Bible for double the time is going to hurt your life? No! No! A thousand times no. There's never a time that I read my Bible, never a time that I read my Bible and in the end say, man, I, I kind of regret doing that now. I could have been playing, what's that game you guys, Call of, Call of, Call of Duty, whatever. Yeah, I don't call of our, I don't know your games, but you know, man, I that's twenty minutes I could have been playing games. Ah, uh, if only I could go back in time. Well, there have been a lot of times that I've been wasting my time on something stupid, and I've said, "Good Lord, if I could have those twenty minutes back and have just read my Bible or prayed or done something productive." You know what I mean? And so, if you will step it up, I I can I'll I'll put it out there now. If you decide to come to extra church services this year. 
I don't think you're going to regret it. I know you're not going to regret it. If you'll read your Bible and pray more, you're not going to regret it. If you don't already do something in the church, but if you decide to sign up, yeah, I could help out in the nursery. Yeah, I could help out with the ushers. I could help out with it. You're not going to regret it. God's only going to bless you even more for it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His and all these things shall be added unto you. You're not going to do without. If you give God something, God doesn't say, okay, well, now He's not doesn't have that anymore. God says, okay, well, I'll give Him two back now. You, you know, seriously. You reap what you sow, given it shall be given unto you. You give God time, God will bless your time and you'll have more time in your life. It works with anything. Alright, I better, man, I'm running out of time. So you guys need to quit saying amen so much and I'll, I'll start to shut up. So the fourth thing is this. What's it going to take to have an awakening to God? It's going to take servant leaders. Like, what in the world is that? I understood the first three things you said, but I don't get It's going to take servant leaders. Again, a lot of people know who this Charles Finney was I was telling you about, but most people don't realize the reason 500,000 people gave their lives to Jesus is because a man that nobody saw was on his face praying for salvations. That's called being a leader, a servant leader. That's what that is. You know, one time this lady in the town had a boarding house where people would go stay. She comes to the church and says, Brother Finney, do you know a guy named Daniel Nash? He says, yeah, I know that he's my, yeah. She says, I'm, I'm really scared. Him and three other guys came and stayed at my boarding house. They've been, all I've heard is groaning coming out of this room for three days. They haven't eaten anything for three days or drank anything or even come out of that room. I, I, I didn't want to, but I peeked through the door and I saw three guys laying on their face on the ground groaning. Are, are, should I go check on them? Should I get them out? He said, oh no, man, they're just going to spirit of prayer right now. They'll get through it. Don't worry. They'll be fine. And, and listen, it's stuff like that that causes an awakening to God. We've got to have this stuff. We've got to have people that'll say, you know what? I could skip a meal right now and I could go pray instead. I, I could do without some video games. I could skip, you know, and, and I got to tell you, I, I'm on a, the Holy Ghost has been dealing with a lot of this. I'm a football guy and I have not even read one article about the Super Bowl this week. I'm not re- I have not watched one sports center. I have not watched anything at all. I know who's playing. I absolutely know who I want to lose, but I I have not I mean, I don't honestly I really don't care. I I really don't care right now and and I'm not, you know, everybody have fun watching the game. I'm not going to even watch the game tonight. I don't care right now. Because I see something greater. I see I, right now, I, I just feel it. I've, I've got this burden that there's people going to hell right now. And and it's great. And, you know, it's not wrong to go watch the game. Everybody go have fun. Watch it tonight. But I just got this thing right now where I, I can't. I, I've got to I've got to spend my time doing something for God right now. And, of course, we have church night. Tonight's testimony night. And we're going to have some awesome testimonies from the Holy Spirit Conference tonight. And so, yeah, I may miss out on the Doritos commercials this year. I may miss out on, you know, what's going on with, you know, everybody, but I don't really care right now. And I don't think I'm going to regret it this year. I really don't think I'm going to regret it. So we need servant leaders. And let me explain this really briefly. In 2017, whether you know it or want to admit it or not, God is going to do some big things right here at High Desert Word Center. It's already started. If I could show you our, some of our young adults right now, like stand back or don't, don't touch them if you don't have oven mitts on. Cause they're like, <laughs> alright. Katie and Henry and I mean, a lot of these guys, they're like going nuts. And it's a great thing. I'm so serious, but they've got it already. And so I'm preaching this and I don't need to preach it to them, but they've got it. They, but Norma's another one back there. But listen to me. Listen to me. We've got to get a hold of this, the fire of God, because we live right now in a day when the devil is going full time against this world and against you and part time service to God isn't going to cut it anymore. It's going to take a full time, all out commitment, no playing around anymore. And so we're starting something that the Lord told us to start at High Desert Word Center this year. It's going to be a a, a group. uh, It's going to be called servant leaders. Okay. And we're going to make available one night a month 
the last, the fourth Thursday of every month, we're going to meet together. Anybody that wants to be used by God, you don't have to already be a leader. You don't, nothing, no qualifications. You're just going to be someone that actually shows up to church. You, but here's the thing. Anybody's invited for us to get together for about an hour to throw some word out there, teach to you about what all this means, have some, maybe some prayer time and build you up to a higher level. One night a month, starting, I guess, whatever the fourth Thursday this month, the 23rd. 23rd of February, next door in the youth building. And so I'm going to say this right now. If your first thought was, oh, great, another night of church, then please do not come. You're, you're, and again, that sounds, he's being mean today. No. If your first thought is, great, another night to come out to church, then listen, it's not for you. We don't hate you. We don't judge you. That's fine, man. Just, but what we are looking for right now is for an army of full-time, sold-out Christians that are ticked off at seeing what the devil has done in the lives of those around them. And they're not playing games anymore. They're going to stand up and they're going to fight back. And we're going to see an awakening to God in this country. If you feel like you want to be any part of that, you're a servant leader and God can use you. That doesn't mean you're preaching. That doesn't mean we're sending you out with a tent to go evangelize. It just means that you're ready to be used by God. And we're going to show you how to be used by God in a great big way. Amen? And so the last thing I want to say is this, is that whenever there's an awakening, some people, they just decide they don't want to be a part of it. God wanted them to, but they decide, no, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not ready to fully commit 100% to God. Jesus told this story in Luke 14. He said, a, a rich man, a master, he decides, I'm going to throw this great big banquet. I want, I've got a whole list of people that I want to be there. People I want. So he gets his servant and he says, here's, see these invitations? You go and invite, invite everybody right here. Go, go get them. Bring them in. And so he goes out and he invites door to door the people that's name is already on the list. And then the servant comes back with nobody with him. Nobody. And the, the master says, where is everyone, man? I gave you a whole list of invitations. Where are they? Well, people said, one person said, well, you know, I, I've got some business to take care of. I, I'm too busy right now. The next person said, well, I just got married and I you know I don't want to take time away from romance right now. And then another person said, well, I just bought some new oxen and I want to go try. And all these people, person after person, had an excuse why they could not come and, and, and fellowship with the master. Tons of them. But look what the master said in the end. Because God will get His work done with you or without you. He wants it to be with you, but if you're not going to jump in, then it's going to be without you and He'll just find somebody else to take your place. And that's sad. But Luke chapter 14, verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they'd said. His master was furious and said, go quickly to the streets and alleys of the town. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And, and after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So he went out. The first group, they missed out on it. The first group of called people, they missed out on it. And so they went and got the next group. People that, the crippled, the lime, the blame, they all, and, and he brought them in. But there was still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes, behind the hedges. I mean, he's like, go out everywhere and urge anyone you can find to come so that my house will be full. So there's a lot of people that have been called in times past and in our day right now that they were too busy for God. And so God said, man, I really wanted that one. I had a plan for them, but they're not going to come. Go go get this other guy. Go, I'm going to have to use somebody else. I wanted him, but he's not going to do it. And so I'll bet some of you in this room today, you're replacements for somebody else that wouldn't listen to God. I know that there were people that are called to be used in this church that are not here right now. And some of you are their replacements. Let's not have you have to be one to get replaced now because you can't step up. But there are some in here that are, you replace somebody else that wouldn't jump in for the things of God. And so look at this. He says, fine, go out and get anybody. I've got to have a full house. And if you don't get it already, this is an example of God sending somebody out and his son and saying, anybody, just get anybody. I want heaven to be full and, and my house or many mansions. I want, I want the whole house filled up, but there's people making excuses. 
But look at the end of this verse. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Isn't that sad that somebody was called to be used by God now? They won't even get the smallest taste of the banquet of God. And we know when we get to heaven, yeah, there's going to be a banquet. It's going to be called the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be a feast like you've never seen in your life in heaven. And God wants you there. But there's going to be some people that were called to be there. God had a call in their life. God asked them to do something and they kept saying, no, they're not even going to be at the banquet at all. That's awful. That's sad. And so, as we're closing out today, God is talking to some hearts. I've, it's obvious. If God's talking to your heart, today is your day. Man, maybe you've just never walked with the Lord. Maybe you've never truly given your heart to Jesus. Today's your day. Your life will be rocked to the core if you'll let Jesus come in. Or maybe you are in here, and I know there are some of you in here, okay? I can't make anybody come up. There are some in here that you have been a part-time, half-baked, inconsistent Christian, lukewarm. And this could be your day to say, I'm done with this. Uh, Jesus, I, today I can fully commit to you 100%. You can use me this year. You can count on me, Jesus. If you've got something for me to do, you can go ahead and give it to me now because I'm going to actually do it this time. This could be your day. I want everybody in here to stand up. Let's go ahead and stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.